welcome. You're listening to the third episode of Ninth Draft. I'm your host, Emily Elaine, and today we'll be talking about our protagonist's fatal flaw and how it plays a pivotal part in our stories. Before that, it's time for a quick personal update. I have to say, I'm really enjoying podcasting so far. It's forcing me to research our craft on a weekly basis, which is turning out to greatly benefit my own writing. Every time I uncover a juicy bit of information, I shut my writing craft book and scramble for my notebooks to run checks and balances on my own book baby with my newfound knowledge. I must confess, I used to be afraid of researching, quote, how to write, unquote. In fact, I deliberately avoided any well-intended advice from other authors. This wasn't out of arrogance. I guess I just felt overwhelmed by the sheer amount of contradictory methodology in the writing realm. I mean, honestly, I rarely see writers on social media discussing method unless they're arguing. Let's be real, it's usually over plotting versus pantsing, at which time I pour myself some coffee and sit back to watch this virtual brawl with my shoulder devil sitting contently. But beyond my slightly sadistic amusement, this actually saddens me. There's nothing wrong with sticking to methods that work for you, but many writers put too much value on method. This mindset among writers reminds me of an argument I once had with my little brother when we were kids. He wanted to stick the Lego pieces together one by one when building our castle, but I wanted to build large chunks of the structure before securing it to the foundation. I remember getting frustrated and telling him to build his own castle because he was doing it wrong. Neither method was wrong. The key to a successful Lego castle was understanding how Legos fit together and having a vision for the creation. I know this is a silly example, but it does stand true. No matter what method you're loyal to, what matters more than your way of doing things is your understanding of story itself. How do the pieces fit together? What is the logic? And moreover, what are you trying to say with your story? That has been and will continue to be my goal for Ninth Draft to help myself and other writers gain a better understanding of story itself, how it works, and how to apply such understanding in our own writing. With that being said, today we're discussing our protagonist's fatal flaw and exploring how it shapes them and their story. Since story is how our protagonists change due to what happens to them in pursuit of a difficult goal, they have to change from one nature to another. Our protagonist's initial nature, who they are on page one, is defined by what is most commonly called their fatal flaw. Now, I don't particularly like this specific term because it sounds like it's talking about a personality flaw. A more accurate description would be their false truth because it is a misbelief that leads them astray and keeps them from reaching their ultimate goal. Think about a time in your life when you've held a belief that has misled you. You might not have consciously been aware of the belief at the time, but likely discovered it to be the root cause of your problems upon later reflection. I'm going to be vulnerable for a minute, so don't mind me if I sound awkward. I tend to be a very private person and don't like talking about my personal life, but this is a personal example that's too accurate to pass up. Anyway, when I was 18, fresh out of high school, a friend introduced me to a young man who had just left the Marine Corps Infantry. At the time, my vision was clouded by a lot of social anxiety and the subconscious false truth that my value came from helping, even fixing, other people. 
I ignored the dozens of red flags waving in the wind and married just after I turned 20, which was two and a half years ago. I ignored the dozen of, well, sorry, Isaac. I ignored the dozens of red flags waving in the wind and married him just after I turned 20, which was two and a half years ago. All I need to say is that it was a disastrous, codependent, toxic relationship. I realized I'd made a huge mistake, I think, like, you know, three days into my honeymoon. I fought to make it work for two years until I finally faced the facts that I'd married him to fix him, that I was the enabler in a codependent relationship. My false truth was unraveling. I realized that my value didn't come from fixing other people. Instead, I was intrinsically valuable on my own and that I needed to take care of my own health first before I chose to help others. So with that, I left him and that wasn't a mistake. I was my own worst enemy because I was clinging to a false truth. And just like me, our protagonists are their own worst enemies. Now, why did I believe my false truth? It had to do with a lack of self-esteem, which was a result of years of social anxiety, which was a result to how people had treated me. Life experience, what we see, hear, feel, and how other people treat us shape our beliefs, which means our protagonist's life experience, aka their backstory, shapes their false truth. Better yet, if we understand their false truth, then we can use it as a guide to shape their backstory, their personality, and even their quirks. All people live according to some motto. Sure, they don't go around singing it like Timon and Pumbaa, but they certainly live accordingly. A student that lives by the belief, hard work begets success, is more likely to spend a Friday night studying in their sweats than a student who believes in live while you can, who is far more likely to get dressed up and go out to party. Let's do a quick case study on a popular and one of my personal favorite characters. Let's consider Katniss's false truth. In the beginning of Hunger Games, she believes that she has the responsibility to protect herself and her family. That's it. Stranger danger. Don't let anyone else in. Just keep your head down and survive. It's not hard to understand why she holds this belief. She's been just surviving her whole life. She's been oppressed or neglected by strangers her whole life. No one has ever helped her, so she's learned to help herself and no one else. Now, throughout the book, she encounters people who force her to reconsider her false truth. Peta, Rue, Thresh. These people show her compassion and she starts to humanize them, to see them as oppressed children like herself. And in the end, she learns that forging bonds with other people can be the best survival tactic of all. This change is the story, and so Katniss's false truth is the beginning of her story, and therefore the beginning of the reader's experience. Now, the beauty of writing a work of fiction is that everything is connected. It's one big organism with working organs. So in order to know our protagonist's false truth, we must first understand the message we're trying to communicate, aka the truth our protagonist will learn, or in writing lingo, the theme. The false truth is the opposite of the truth, naturally. So, ask yourself what you're trying to say. Now, don't tell me you're just writing for entertainment. Let me happily burst your bubble. There is a lesson in every story, whether it's intended or not. A book is both a product of a writer's conscious and subconscious mind, which is why writing is such a deeply personal act. If you don't know your theme or truth, sit down and analyze your work so far. Do a case study on yourself. What elements of you, your life experience and beliefs, are sneaking into your writing? 
You're bound to find a plethora of sneaky little jewels you, you formerly didn't realize were embedded in your work. Consider what lesson your protagonist learns. If you can't think of it off the top of your head, consider who they are on the last page opposed to the first. If you can't see any change, that's okay. You've come across the perfect epiphany. Since story is how our protagonist changes due to what happens to them in pursuit of a difficult goal, the false truth is their starting point and the starting point of story itself. Okay, I'm going to unwrap one of my favorite studies. Vittorio Galis is a neurologist with the University of Parma. He's one of the lead people to discover mirror neurons, which has been said to be the greatest discovery since that of DNA. He says, when we read fiction, we map these fictional humans' actions, emotions, and sensations into our own brain's visceral, motor, and sensory representations. That accounts for our emotional experience, which comes before our cognitive experience. We're experiencing vicariously through the protagonist. As readers, we're experiencing vicariously through the protagonist. This is why their growth from their state of false truth to truth this change is the story. Our lives are led by a series of misbeliefs and lessons, and so reading a good story is to experience one of these vital cycles with the main character. I love that so much. No matter your methodology, this science applies. So let's review. I'll say it again. Story is how our protagonist changes due to what happens to them in pursuit of a difficult goal. What happens to them is the plot work. The difficult goal is the story question. Will they achieve blank? For example, will Katniss survive the Hunger Games? The belief that defines our protagonist in the beginning, their false truth, is the starting point of their story. The theme is the lesson they will learn that elicits change in their fourth story. I'd say that's pretty clear, but hey, if you have any questions or want to discuss it, please comment below. Before we go, I want to give a special shout out to a phenomenal writer and a great friend of mine, Ryan Hickey. Ryan is my critique partner. I beta read his first book, Strings, and I seriously cannot praise it enough. Most importantly, it's an engaging story, but it's also a unique spin on supernatural fantasy. Strings is the first book in his greater saga, The Winter Saga. As his friend, I have special insider information, and I have to say this saga is going to be one incredible ride. Ryan is currently querying strings. Please go check out his site in the description. He has a booktube channel that you can find on his site too. Okay, I'm done gushing, I swear. But seriously, he's pretty cool and you should check out his site. Heads up, I'll be giving a shout out to every, wait. Heads up, I'll be giving a shout out to a fellow writer every week because us writers need to stick together and support each other. Speaking of which, my friends and I are building an online club for writers. Everyone who joins us becomes part of a team of writers in their genre. Teams will have a weekly discussion after each episode of Ninth Draft. This is a huge opportunity to forge friendships with other writers who you can support and who can support you. There's going to be a club launch party on Saturday the 19th, so if you're interested in joining, hop on over to Ninth Draft Club. The link is in the description and sign up. Oh, if you want to play your hand for a shout out in a following week's episode, DM me the following keyword or message me on my site the following keyword. So the word is dachshund, as in the dog breed, because I have three of them 
and they're kind of the loves of my life. (laughs) Okay, that wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're feeling empowered by our discussion so far. I'll see you next Monday. I hope you have a productive and enjoyable week. Happy writing. Mm -hmm.